One of the most popular requests that we get at Teak is assistance on how to create social media captions. When we inquire on the specific pain points, it tends to become obvious that people can get stuck on exactly what they want to say to their audience. Social media and marketing is definitely not a one-size-fits-all solution. The thing is that when deciding on your messaging, you have to be aware not only of who you are as a brand, but who you are marketing to so that you can provoke the types of emotions that you want from your audience. Today, we're joined by Katie Fisher. We're going to be discussing how to tailor your messaging to your audience and how to create content that converts to sales. But before we dive into all of the good stuff, just a quick reminder that if you are loving this podcast, we would be so, so grateful if you could take a quick little pause and go ahead and subscribe or even leave a review if you feel so moved so that we can continue to get the word out about T-Talks. Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from Teak. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, we grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency. And now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins. We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine. So pour one up with us, grab a seat, and join us to talk all things travel and business. Let's talk marketing messages. So my question for you, Jen, is what exactly is emotional marketing? So this is where I will admit that I can identify it, but I don't necessarily always know how to articulate it. To me, emotional marketing first starts with connecting with the audience. And we'll talk about exactly what that means in a minute, but you're creating some kind of common ground, just like you would do really like on an intake call. I think of social media as like a non-direct human to human intake call where you're actually like creating this first foundation of a relationship so that they trust you. And I think that's a lot of captions or whatever we're doing on social media. It's, it's a relational piece. But then you're using that connection to direct them to something that you want out of that relationship. And it's not always as obvious as that. I don't know if anyone's ever read Jab, 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 Right Hook, but that's a Gary Vaynerchuk book. And it's all about like how you give, 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 and then you ask. So in that connection period, something that I think about is like connecting and giving back to the audience. And then you ask for what you want out of it, but you're directing them to how to get what you want them to get out of it, if that makes sense. So I'm going to hand it over to Robin because I I really consider her a guru on emotional marketing. She has turned me on to so many social media accounts that are really nailing this. And so looking at those accounts are so inspiring to me because they're, they're doing it so well. So Robin, why does emotional marketing work? First things first, if you're like emotional marketing versus marketing, what's the difference? There really isn't any. Marketing is always pulling at heartstrings. That's what like you want a marketing message to do. You want to evoke a emotion that is going to make the person act. Knowing those emotions that you're trying to go after, I think is so crucial when you're sitting down and you're analyzing your marketing strategy and creating content for your brand, because then you can have strategy instead of just like posting in the wind and hoping it gets traction or hoping it resonates with your ideal audience. This gets you closer to stop the post and pray method and gets you closer to actual like strategy. So why does emotional marketing work? Number one, emotional marketing is memorable. Emotional content connects to people's personal experiences, which helps us remember more. So if you have emotional content or emotional marketing, or you infuse emotion into your content, 
you are more likely to get that consumer who's consuming your content to remember you. Just because sometimes we all listen and we look for things that like identify us with somebody else. And it's that game of, oh, me too. Like, oh, she gets it, me too. Or he gets it, me too. But also creates an instant reaction. If the reaction is something the consumer can relate to, they're more likely to engage or remember and interact with that brand. I don't know if you guys follow people on social media who they'll post a slide series and they'll ask for questions or the this or that bar. I like, I can't not answer those sort of things because it's just like a way to get you interacting. And so when you're triggering that person and you're like clicking there, like, Oh, do you like chocolate or vanilla ice cream? No matter how silly that is and how little that would ever relate to a business, you are creating a bridge between that person that says, this is my safe place to like engage with them. So again, emotional reaction, maybe, yeah, like I'm obsessed with chocolate ice cream. I think vanilla is the grossest. I'm going to just do like the most simple thing by clicking the this or that platform. And then in my mind, I'm instantly going to recognize that person more because I have that like, it's like a bridge in your brain. Finally, it can also help the consumer decide. If two products are similar in price and quality, the consumer is more likely to choose the one that they feel a deeper connection with. I'm sure everyone has experienced this before, whether you're, you know, you have a project on your house and you're price comparing fence guys in the area and they both come back at a similar rate. We'll tend to go with the person that we just liked more for whatever reason. Maybe they had like a better, they were nicer when they got out of their truck and greeted you at the door. Maybe they took their shoes off when they walked through your house. Something happened that like was an emotional thing. And then that is going to lead you to decide. So we're showing up on online spaces. We're showing up in a loom video or on our website. So we have to make sure that those interactions have some sort of emotional pull that's going to get somebody to relate to us in a way that makes us memorable. I always think of people who are absolutely nailing marketing. And if you ever want to look or if you ever want to... I would say like explore the very best of marketing minds. You have to watch the Super Bowl. That is where people are spending bajillions of dollars per second on an advertisement. So there's very rarely ones that like totally flop. Even if you didn't like it, you're probably not their ideal audience because they were going after somebody different and using a different emotion than what you would react to. So some examples that I instantly think of when I think of the past Super Bowl commercials are the farmer's dog that was rated one of the highest in marketing. And I feel like everybody is going to remember it, if not go YouTube it. But basically, it was this really sweet commercial of this girl and she got a puppy when she was little. And you watch this dog grow up with her. The dog's at her wedding and she's going off to college and the dog is sitting in the driveway, sad that she's leaving. And then she's pregnant with her first child and the dog's sitting there laying near her belly. As this woman is getting older from kid to adult and growing her family the puppy is getting older and he's getting a little slower, a little more gray around the face. And the whole premise about the farmer's dog is treating your dog like a family member and giving them food that's going to make them last through all these amazing emotions that you want them in or these life moments. So it really, I mean, if you ever want to go Google how much a farmer's dog costs, it's so much. But I cried during the Super Bowl commercial. Instantly, I was on their website. Instantly, I was putting in a little, it was like not a free, it was like a promo 
60% off their food. So I told them all about my Bulldog Nash and my other Bulldog Rowdy and how they're so different. And they gave me these like special food formulas for each dog. So they gave me 60% off for one week's worth of food and it was still almost $100. So people who are paying this are pulled into the emotion of like, my dog is my child. My dog is my family member. And that's why they're willing to pay the premium price. So that is such an excellent example of like the pulling on the heartstrings, really tying into the emotion because their ideal audience isn't just a normal dog owner. It's the people who really love their dog and the people who want to invest in quality food for their animals. There's another one that's still circulating on. I see it all the time when I'm watching TV, but it was the Amazon commercial about saving Sawyer. And it's like an unruly dog. He's like a COVID dog, I think. Family's around. He's such a good animal. But then everyone goes back to work. They go back to school. And this dog is just causing mayhem across the house. You see the dad and he's researching crates. And you're like, oh, no, like they're going to crate train him. He's going to be all like cooped up in the house. But then at the end, you realize that he's actually getting a new dog to for the friend to play with so that, I mean, in my eyes, I'm like, okay, now you have two dogs that are about to destroy the house. <laughs> But it's so sweet. All of these different types of emotions that we're going to pull onto, you will notice, and I talk about it later in the episode, but you'll notice that certain industries pay into certain emotions more. A dog or animal is really going to pull on your heartstrings and make you sad so that you act, purchase whatever it is, or it's happy. It's like getting a new animal is so fun. Go to PetSmart and buy everything you need. But things like the wellness, uh, health and wellness industry always playing into self-esteem and our like overall confidence. So there's so many little things. And I think that when it comes to creating that marketing content, you need to balance the emotion. You can't do only sad. You can't do only happy. You can't do only self-esteem and beat someone down. You need to infuse and different messages with different emotions so that no matter what, you're like kind of bridging the gap where people are at. So Katie is over all of our social media and marketing services. So our Flowdesk Lifts launch, our social or our social strategy service is all under Katie's belt because she's so good at marketing. She did an incredible job with Origins. She does all of our marketing for Teak right now and social media and all of that fun stuff. I think that's one of like the biggest eye openers for people who are like, I just post and pray is content pillars. So Katie, how do you help people create content pillars or how do you even start with content pillars or content creation, I guess? I think the most important part of it is knowing who you're talking to. So there's this concept and I'm sure people have heard it. And if they haven't, then fasten your seatbelts. But when you talk to everyone, (laughs) you talk to no one. You need to try all this different type of posting and different content while still keeping your ideal client in mind. Because if you're trying to target every single type of traveler literally no one's going to listen to you. I think that advisors get like nervous about that because they don't want to ostracize anyone. They don't want to like offend anyone. They want to paint with a broad enough brush to like include everybody who's following them. But when I stopped, I don't want to say stopped caring. I didn't stop caring. But when I started focusing on talking only to my ideal client, then like it made posting on social media so much easier. It made writing my newsletter so much easier because I was just focusing on who I wanted to contact me. I think a lot of advisors would be surprised to know that like an ideal content bank or like the ideal number of content pillars that you should have is like three to five. You don't need to have 17 different content pillars. And I think people get caught up in, 
well, there's so much to post about. You know, there's honeymoons and family trips and girls getaways and wellness trips and all that. But like that all can fall under three to five broad categories. But before we get to that, I just want to reiterate that you have to be super clear on who you want to talk to first, because otherwise none of this will work. And so I think the other part of that is knowing that when you start talking to that ideal client, yes, some people might unfollow you. They might unsubscribe from your newsletters because it doesn't align with what they want to buy or engage in. But they also might stick around because they know that they may may not be your ideal client and they may not be able to articulate that, but they might pass you along to someone who is more in alignment. I've had people do that. There have been people on my email newsletter list and my social media followers that have never interacted with my stuff. They, they've never worked with me, but they have passed me on to other people who are my ideal client. So I know that was 16 different ways of saying know who your ideal client is, but that you can't really, can't really craft a social media strategy until you know who that is. So I have a question about that. Are you saying, and this is slightly rhetorical, but are you saying like, to hone in on your target audience, the ideal scenario is to not say the same thing, but speak to the same person approaching their emotions in different ways. So like I am a human, I have a zillion different emotions. <laughs> we have a team of women. So we definitely have a zillion different emotions happening all the time. But like my, what resonates with me on an emotional day is going to be very different when I'm, than when I'm light and happy. So I think it's also important to think about the human spectrum of emotions and you don't always want to be, okay, my target audience is sad, nostalgic and loves luxury travel. You know, <laughs> like there's, there are going to be different ways. And that's the point of the content pillars is to like basically one target, all different directions. Yes. Well, and you can spend the same content a million different ways. Like if 100%. you're going to Italy, you could do an inspirational post about this gorgeous view of a Tuscan countryside and like that's happy. That's going to make people react. Or you can do like five ways your Italy trip could totally blow up in your face or like something like that where it's like fear-based, where it's like, did you book rail and do you have like luggage that is too big and you booked not first class rail? Guess what? You're sitting with a 50 pound bag in your lap. That's going to suck. There's so many things because that's, and again, people like fear, like I don't want to scare people. Travel can be scary for people. And maybe what's going to get Jen to jump is being like, oh, I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want to sit with my luggage in my seat. I should work with a travel advisor. And then you could also spin it into like an educational thing. There's so many different ways to like take this one little idea and like splice it and dice it apart or spin it in a different way where it's okay, cool. Now, instead of creating this one piece of content where I'm like brain dumping everything I ever could about destination weddings in one place. I'm just going to give them a nugget and I'm going to say it in like this slightly, I would say fear-based way versus like a need-based versus like a game-based. So I think that's what's so cool about content pillars. And a lot of people don't have them, which is why I think that when Katie like does someone's social media, she takes like the main content pillars and this massive Google spreadsheet and then takes subtopics of each content pillar. So let's say like one main pillar is like romance travel and we break it down and you book destination weddings honeymoons, and anniversary trips. There we go. That's like 10 topics per each of those things. And then you can even take those topics and go deeper because instead of just talking about you know honeymoon packing do's and don'ts, 
you can spin that in like a million different ways of like how to pack for a honeymoon. Don't miss this when you're packing. My one thing I always travel with, or I always recommend to my new brides or grooms when they're traveling, whatever it is. So it's like this web of just a content link ATM where you're like, I don't know what to post. It's like, yes, you do. It's all right there. Well, and you just mentioned honeymoons. I'm like, okay, so that could be taken in this nostalgic way. Like this is your once in a lifetime. And then you go down this painting, this grandiose picture of everything that a honeymoon should be in someone's ideal mind. And they're like, yes, that's exactly what I want. I don't want to have to think. I want everything to go smoothly. I want romance infused and I want to be surprised and delighted along the way. Like that's why I should work with a travel advisor. And it's it's still educational in a way, but it's like captivating what their dream is. And that's like that inspirational piece. And then connecting and then directing them to you. So taking it back to like that initial point is first, I'm going to connect with you because I know this is what you want. And this is, we're creating the dream. And then I'm going to direct you back to me because this is what I can give you. Well, let's take that and flip it on its head. What if instead of saying, you know, that's a great post, obviously, what if we flip it and we say, let's take the pressure off your freaking honeymoon. It's one trip. You have a lifetime of trips. So yes, there's people out there doing like Sri Lanka and Bora Bora. That doesn't have to be you because you know what? Honeymoons and weddings are stressful, especially if you're traveling right after you get married. I went on a honeymoon before I got married, which sounds so weird, but my husband's football schedule was a mess. So we went beforehand and that worked for us, but we took the pressure off the honeymoon because we're like, listen, we wanted to do this big Bora Bora trip, but like we don't feel like it's necessary right now. We just dropped a lot of money on this wedding. Let's do something. We did Hawaii, which is still money, but it was something totally different than what we thought because all of a sudden, like, let's take the pressure off of it. I, as a bride, cannot tell you how many conversations I had with honeymoon couples when I said, we don't need to compare ourselves on social media. Like if social media did not exist, what's going to fill you up as a couple to travel like after your honeymoon? Is it just a fly and flop, which... I hate saying fly and flop, sun and fun, whatever it is. Instead of doing something where it's like, oh, we only went to Mexico. No, you went to Mexico. All your food was paid for. You had a spa appointment every other day and you were snorkeling and that was beautiful and you got to sleep and you didn't feel bad about sleeping because when you're in Italy, you want to be go, go, going. You have museum tours, you have food you got to get to, like all these different things. Whereas like instead, let's take a honeymoon and let's relax and let's recharge and let's go somewhere that's really nice. Let's go to a great resort that's going to pamper us, but let's not leave and let's not pay for anything while we're there. It's a trip versus a vacation. That's the conversation I feel like I had so many times with honeymooners is like, do you want a trip or do you want a vacation? You want to go to Hawaii? Cool. You're going to self-drive. And if that's your ideal of romanticism, great job. Let's talk about it. To your point, I know you mentioned like sun and sand. I do think that there is a term fly and flop for a reason because in this situation, someone does want to fly and they want to flop down and they don't want to think about it. We're not talking about excursions. We're not talking about adding any additional planning. They want to not think. And Robin, you just had this conversation with your sister. You basically consulted her from a non-travel advisor perspective, but you got her to the same point. Like she was putting so much pressure on herself. So much pressure. She was like, I got to do St. Lucia. What about Antigua? Talk to me about the best things here. And I'm like, those are all beautiful places. However, you're going to pay a lot. You have to pay for meals. They're not really great. All inclusive options when you're there, which I personally didn't love paying for everything on my honeymoon. I liked the Okay, cool. It's done. It's handled. We can leave our wallet, you know, in the safe in the room and not have to worry about like every single drink order, just adding up and adding up. 
Now she's going to Atelier and Cancun and she's never been more excited in her life because she's heard so many wonderful things. And it's one of those places where she can just go. So again, that's going to resonate with different people. Different people want different mm-hmm. for their honeymoon. So we just took two totally different approaches to the same content pillar or the same content topic and spun it different ways. And now what resonates with me is going to be different than what resonates for Jen. But ultimately what I'm coming away with is knowing that lady knows how to plan a honeymoon. She's going to take my needs and my wishes into account and I'm going to walk away happy, which is what we want our people to do when they're consuming our content. We could have like a 60 hour podcast episode on this, but okay. You you have to know who you're talking to, but then also like the language that we use in our captions, like, first of all, just be yourself. I know a lot of advisors personally. And then when I see them posting, I'm like, that doesn't sound like you. Like, just be yourself. But also make sure you're using language and words that would resonate with your ideal client. Like, if you don't want to book budget trips, don't use words like deal and discount. Don't talk about how you can save them money. Talk about the experience you can create instead. So I think the type of language that we're using is super important. And then when you're creating content pillars, think broad and then create specific content ideas from there. And then you could even duplicate that for every destination you sell. Like if you want to talk about educational topics, okay, educational about what? Europe, couples getaways in Europe. It's just like a never ending rabbit hole of content ideas. At the end of the day, the most important piece of posting consistently And like posting consistently and getting people's attention consistently is actually building a no like trust with your audience. If you're posting and people don't feel like they know who you are, they feel like you're just a business trying to get them to buy something and they don't know you like you or trust you, they're not going to approach you. A lot of times during consultations with my clients who found me on social media, I would ask them like, what about my social media made you like reach out to me, a stranger on the internet? give me your credit card number and allow me to plan such an important trip. And a lot of times they said, it's like, oh, because I felt like I knew you. Reading through your posts, you seem very personable, very down to earth. It wasn't salesy. So I think advisors need to remember, like, we're not trying to sell a product. We're trying to like promote ourselves as a person who can offer a service instead. As a travel advisor, we wear a lot of hats. Planner, budget manager, fortune teller, therapist, meteorologist. But the one thing that we don't have to be is a graphic designer. Why? Because Canva does that for us with hundreds, maybe even thousands of templates to choose from. Social media and marketing can be a breeze. Just upload images and your brand kit and the possibilities are endless. Think email header graphics, social media posts and reels, client welcome guides, business cards, and so much more. No more expensive outsourcing. Canva Pro has you covered. To get started looking like the professional that you are, use Teak's affiliate code in the show notes. Your product isn't the destination. Your product isn't the hotel. Your product is you. And so many times people get caught up in promoting where they're sending people and like, I absolutely love the posts that are like what I'm what I'm booking now and features on hotels, but like that's not the end all be all because any travel advisor can book that same itinerary and that same hotel. So what's the game changer is having confidence to showcase you. And I think the key part of that is the confidence piece because not everyone is comfortable promoting themselves as a product. And so there's got to be a little bit not to make this like real wooey, but 
there has to be a little bit of like self-work to get people to the point of feeling vulnerable enough to post about how they learned by doing the wrong way and making sure that their audience doesn't disconnect because, oh my gosh, they made an error one time. We're not talking about like booking the wrong hotel for a client. We're talking about like you learned because you took that train and you found out that first class has more luggage and that if you book economy, you're not going to have as much space and you're going to have to lift your luggage above your head. Those things that showcase the credibility because you've done it before and how you're going to turn your knowledge into a better experience for your clients. That is really a, a challenging piece for people like that. No, like trust, they have to know you and to know, to get to know you, you have to be confident to let people know you. Well, it's, I just had a thought when you were talking about that every month, we an- analyze our Instagram metrics. So we go back and we look at like what posts did really well and all that, which is really helpful, like not to add something else to an advisor's plate. But I think last month or the month before, when I was looking at our Instagram posts, our best performing post was our meet the Teak team post. It wasn't about our services. It wasn't about what we could do to help advisors. It was literally just a reel, like a goofy reel that we made introducing the six of us. And it was the highest performing posts that we had because people, they want to know other people. Like we connect with humans naturally. I'm never going to log on to do our Teak Instagram analytics and be like, wow, our post about our process and our fees really slapped. Like nobody is going I love to that price tag. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for educating me. <laughs> I feel closer to you now. <laughs> yeah. Like, no one's going to be like, oh, that's absolutely dope. I'm so glad to hear that this is booked out till July. They're going to be interested in hearing about how, you know, Jen has a new baby and, you know, Robin has this wild new puppy and like what we're all doing. Like people, they're not, I don't want to say they don't care because obviously boring posts still get engagement and you do have to occasionally post a boring post, just letting your you do. audience know. But for the most part, you should be trying to connect with your audience. And to that point, sometimes, you know, a beautiful picture and an inspirational quote does just fine to get in front of your audience. Like again, not every post has to be, and that is an an emotional post, actually, if you're doing a quote that resonates with someone, but not every post has to be this like monologue either. Well, take the pressure off. You don't have to break the internet with every post. Like it's like slow and steady chips away. And if you're like, okay, so what do I do right now to get closer? We do have the defining your dream client guide. It's a freebie on our website and we'll link it here in the show notes. But that's what it ultimately comes down to is like, number one, Katie touched on a huge thing, like a database business and taking the time to actually look at what's working. Cause it's great to just throw spaghetti at the wall to an extent if you're testing things out. But like, if you're not actually going back and looking at like, all right, did that fear-based post about Italy resonate with anybody? Yes or no. And like, that's going to help you continue to market better. So number one, definitely download that dream client guide because it will get clarity. And it goes through like all the psychographics and demographics of the person, but also make sure you're adding it to your calendar to go in and review your analytics. And like, once you do have a strategy in place, like see what's working and what's not. Cause I think that's where Katie's been so great is I was swamped. I would like look at it, but not really. It's just kind of like posting and our account's still growing, but Katie's taking the time to actually be like, alrighty, people like seeing the faces of people working on our team. That's great to know. So how can we recreate that down the line? Let's not say that every single piece of content needs to be brand new. I've been following somebody for three years now and she posts the same exact thing 
for her launch every single time, but she does it in a slightly different way. And she recently, like within the last week or so, showed all three of them next to each other and they were so identical and all got banging results. She's like, why would I, it rocked. Like it literally rocked these people world. Why would I not do it again? So I was like, I was just going to say that, like, don't be afraid to go back a few. I took, I just told one of our social media clients this when we did our like one hour wrap up call and we were just talking about different ways to continue on with her social media strategy. And I was like, every few weeks, go back and look at what did well and repurpose it. Use it in your newsletter, make a blog post around it, repost it on social media with a new graphic. Nobody's going to remember. No one's going to comment and be like, you just shared this six and a half weeks ago. But I, I do think that all advisors, they can take their niche, no matter how how niche it is, I guess, but and apply their business model to content pillars. Like I could give every advisor in the whole world the same content pillars, and they're all going to come up with different content because you just need to adjust it for who you're talking to and what you want to sell. So some examples are like inspirational posts. So those are things like yeah, the pretty graphic with the the quote over it, your favorite Anthony Bourdain quote. Everyone loves a good quote post, like go on Pinterest for two and a half seconds and there's 1500 different quote posts. So another pillar is promotional. So as an example, like the obvious one is a client testimonial, but using an example from my own business, like my target group was busy white collar professionals, mostly millennial age who are like in tech lawyers, engineers, like they are too busy to deal with their own vacations. And they are also too busy to micromanage. They just want someone to handle it for them. And they want four and five star experiences. So I also did book people into more three star, like more chill, not so fancy and glitzy itineraries. But I didn't always share those testimonials, um, because I didn't want to be booking more of those. So paying attention to what you're posting, it's so exciting to get a new client testimonial. But if it's from a client who stayed at a hotel you'd rather not book more of, or they did an itinerary that you like really didn't love, don't highlight it. An area of authority. So authority could be a content pillar, talking about what you do, how you do it, and all that. Use, again, coming back to like language, using the right language. Don't just call yourself a travel agent. You're a travel advisor. You're a founder. You're an owner. You're a designer. Leaning on those words that kind of elevate what you do is really important. Along with that, I have a story, educational. (laughs) And I feel like I'm using educational as the content pillar, but across all content pillars, storytelling is one of the most impactful ways to connect with your audience. So I know this might shock some advisors, but nobody cares how many rooms a hotel has. If you take one thing away from this podcast, stop posting a picture of a hotel being like, this resort has 86 rooms. On 76 acres, nobody cares. And I am here to tell you that. So they want to know what it feels like to roll out of the thousand thread count sheets and answer the door and your room service is there and and then walk out to the patio and the sun is on their face and they're sipping their coffee. That's what they want to know about that hotel or resort. They don't care that the double room comes with air conditioning or whatever. So like storytelling and painting a picture. But anyway, my story that I shared, I <laughs> back before I like wiped my account and rebranded and started fresh, I shared this story of how in 2015, my husband and I went to St. Lucia and I didn't even talk about the property we stayed at. But this post got so much engagement because it was a story and people connected with it. But I 
My husband and I hiked Gros Piton, one of those two very tall mountains, very tall, very upright mountains in St. Lucia. And I got heat exhaustion because I thought one little bottle of water would just be totally fine. But I was like a primo athlete in 80% humidity, hiking like two miles straight up into the air. Just Lance Armstrong over here. (laughs) Yeah, just like no problem. Like after my full all-inclusive resort buffet, just like let's knock out a quick two and a half miles at, you know. Uphill. Yeah, (laughs) uphill. And so we did this hike. And then we were like out on this day tour with this lovely local guide. And I painted this whole picture of how we did this incredible climb and how even though I had probably a near-death heat exhaustion moment, it was like beautiful views and all that. And then afterwards, we went to this small Rastafarian restaurant. My husband and I are vegan. So like our guide took us somewhere where we could be catered to and this sweet, sweet Rastafarian man made us this full meal. And I proceeded to vomit all over the restaurant. And he, because the heat exhaustion got to me, I took one bite of food and I just got so sick. And this man swept me off my my feet (laughs) like, like a new bride. He like carried me through this little restaurant to the bathroom, got me cleaned up, told my husband, no, no, enjoy your meal. And like people loved this post. But what I did in that post was I explained about the, the Gros Piton hike and that you can do it with a local and then you can have a local meal that the people of St. Lucia are so kind and wonderful. But I did it without being boring. It was also yeah. like, you know, I was really like, that's not like my greatest moment in life. But I think not being afraid to tell stories about your travels in a way that's more like sitting around a campfire with a beer with friends instead of like, oh, I've got to put a post up today for my business and try to sell St. Lucia. Using that example, I think people need to lean on storytelling because as advisors, most of us are very well traveled. You've got a million stories. So spin them in a way that people can connect, but they're also learning something. And now they're curious about St. Lucia or whatever. I love that because you you weren't necessarily expecting a sale from that. And that's the point, right? You were connecting and educating and your brain was like, turn off the sale button in your brain and think, how can I connect and educate today? And I promise the sales will come because we say it every episode, people join people. And that's like why a podcast works, right? Like that's why us as a business, we wanted to have a podcast because we get to connect with our audience in this very candid way. And we could have conversations like this. So stop using the word sales. In fact, Robin and I, and probably Katie and I, I think we haven't had this conversation directly, but don't even love the concept of sales metrics anymore. It's much more about like, are you living the quality of life that you want to live? And does your income equate to that. So stop putting like, I made or I sold a million dollars. Okay. But how much did you make? And was that a comfortable living for you? That's the question you should be asking yourself. So if we stop thinking of equating everything to a sale, it it frees us up. It liberates our brain to feel comfortable connecting, storytelling, and emotionally resonating with our audience. Again, it takes the pressure off social media and being like, oh yeah, I need, I do need a sale from this post. Like you want things to equate, but you're going to get people to, you're going to get the needle to move a lot farther when you're real and honest and like opening up and have a little fun with it. People say it all the time. We've had so many teak week calls with our people where they're like, yeah, the post I spend the least amount of time on and just kind of like it came from the heart is the one that does the best. I'm like, that's not a coincidence. That's not random. That's like you not being pressured to be like, I am a travel advisor and this is why you should book with me. One, two, three, four, five, please book here and book a call. Boring. That's boring. That's what everyone else is doing. That's boring. 
But the stuff like Katie, Katie being whisked through the doorway by a sweet St. Lucian, like that's cool. Jen's blog that I talk about all the time when she drank too much limoncello and Capri or Amalfi. And that's still our best performing blog probably for Explorator on that blog. And it's hilarious because again, it's a spoof that she learned from and then spun into an educational, very, very, I am human too. This is why you should work with me kind of thing. So people get so freaked out by social media and I get it. Like everyone wants to play the algorithm game and they want that. They don't want to spend hours on content that goes on chirps and unnoticed. There's something to be said for, I challenge any advisor listening to this right now, scroll through your account or fellow advisor's account and look at the posts that do well. It's usually the ones where they're introducing themselves. Like another Mm -hmm. post that I did that did well was I shared a post about what Enneagram I was and people loved it. They ate it up. But if you click over to one of my posts where I was trying to sell, it's crickets. So again, people don't want to be blatantly sold to. We deal with that every day, like commercials and ads and all that. Like think about ads in your Instagram feed. You go right past them for the most point. So I don't know. I just think being like a human is far more impactful than trying to make a sale with every post. And sharing the why behind your business. When I was doing branding with clients and got into like, so what, where did this start? Let's talk about like where it all began. Like there are some people with these incredible stories. One of our past clients, it came from cancer. She was going through cancer treatment. She's like, life's too short to be an accountant. Here I am. I'm going to do something totally different and finally follow my passion. I was like, oh my gosh, if you post that to social media and tell more people about it, because she was like, I don't want to share it. I don't want people to think it's like a sob story. I'm like, that is not a sob story. That is something I would connect with. Everybody knows people with cancer. Like that is something that people can rally behind and like champion you with and all of these things. So she's a remission now, thank God. But it's just one of those things where it's like, people get nervous because like, well, it's a business and like Target isn't sharing their why, but it's like, yeah, but they're a corporation. You're like a, almost like a personal brand. And it's so important to just keep reminding people of who you are and that why too, because I guarantee you, you know, they probably don't remember the last time you've posted about it. And Target's more transactional too. Like their intention is to be transactional. They want you to come and get the school supplies and then they want you to go. Like no, they're, they don't want to create to a certain extent. They're a semi-transactional, semi-emotional experience. Like they're doing just enough to lure you in and spend all your money, but they're not doing enough to make you want to grab a cup of coffee and like sit on a couch and have a Barnes and Noble experience or IP Barnes and Noble. There, I saw it on Instagram earlier. I think it was last week. They're starting to roll out robot manicures at Target. You like book an appointment (laughs) online and a robot will sit there and do your nails. Very Um, transactional case in point. Yeah. (laughs) That's too scary. AI freaks me out, but like also that's getting too much. Like now we're the Jetsons essentially. So I kind of want that though. Like that's, I actually, that resonates with me because I hate sitting still for a manicure because if that person is going to get up and like, Maybe they're the manager. They go service the front desk and they're like dealing with the appointment book. And then they're talking to the person next to them. Sometimes a manicure is just a manicure. If I want a pedicure with a friend, that's a different experience. I have my hands free for a glass of wine. (laughs) But a manicure, I want like boom, boom, one and done. And so I get that. 
but it's that's not an emotional connection. It might be an emotional connection if they spun it and they talked about how it frees you up to have more time to be with your family or get back to work because you're getting the most out of your lunch hour. Like that's the kind of thing that could totally tap into the emotional piece. But all that to say, they're not trying to be a hugely emotional brand because their stores aren't relying on one person to set, to be their sales face. Whereas a travel brand, it is a very curated, custom, connective experience, and they're trusting you with thousands and thousands of dollars. And you don't see like other than Carvana. Carvana is for the efficient person that wants a <laughs> vending machine car And that speaks to a certain person. Whereas you don't see Rolls Royce doing that. Like Rolls Royce is not going to put their cars in a vending machine and have it spin down and you drive off the lot after getting a digital signature. They are going to probably give you a drink, make it an experience because people are achieving this milestone of getting this car that they've dreamt about, they've worked hard for. So I think we have to think about travel like that. Like these are, they're not always milestone moments, but people have worked very hard to go on these vacations. They are sacrificing time away from something to go on these vacations. And it is a very human experience to be given the honor of creating memories for someone. Especially at all budgets, right? Like we get someone with a $3,000 budget. Are you kidding? Get out of here. That person like worked their butt off to save that money So like, yeah, maybe that isn't in your budget there for somebody else. I think, yeah, coming back to the human component being like, all right, $3,000. Like I understand what bills cost. I know how much I make. That takes time to save up even that. Like maybe you don't have the time to save up for 25K and that's a down the road thing. But like every memory is important. I always have to remind myself as a travel advisor when I was kind of getting snotty. Yeah. It's very easy to do, especially right now with the massive amounts of inquiries that are coming in to like prioritize someone's experiences over another. And that's natural in business. That is okay. Like we're not saying this to make you feel guilty. If working on a $3,000 budget is not something that you need to prioritize in your business because you have that quality of life to achieve, it's all about just like still treating people with respect. And like Katie mentioned, like she had a referral process that she could refer them to someone else. To me, it should be like someone walking in the door to your house. They should always leave with a positive impression, whether you wanted them there for dinner or not. To get people in the door, you need the client experience that backs up the emotional marketing and the brand identity that backs up the emotions behind your brand. Like there's just so many things woven throughout business. So now let's talk about the six different types of emotional appeal. So we're talking about all these emotions that you can play into. Let's talk through and kind of dissect what those main emotions are so that you can begin infusing them into your business. Number one, self-esteem. This is the desire to feel good about ourselves, right? Everyone wants to feel special. I think a lot of us will get that. Oh yeah, all VIP you, VIP special, exclusive, all of those little buzzwords kind of play into the self-esteem thing. So this tactic is super common, like I mentioned before, in the health and wellness industry. One aspect that plays into this, especially for women consumers, is also the feeling of needing to be included. Like we want to feel good and included and as part of a group, and it just helps our self-esteem. So some ways to lean into this for your travel business might look like 
launching an exclusive channel on social media or like a close friends list, like a story list where you share insider tips for your travel niche. Or maybe that's like looking an exclusive newsletter for your VIP clients and really playing into this whole like, ooh, peel back the door. You know, here's the secret code or the knock password to get into the speakeasy that's behind the bar. That's where you really want to go. Self-esteem is a big one, especially for the people with like really trying to sell those luxury trips. This is a really good one to start playing into. Second, authority. So just having the credibility. Your credibility matters so much. According to a 2022 study, actually 85% of consumers will regularly seek out trusted expert content when considering a purchase. So some ways to do this in your travel business is launching that blog or maybe even a podcast. Like we were so bad at blogging, but podcasting is easier because we can like word vomit forever all day. This is when you're able to actually share your knowledge and expertise on a platform that lives on forever and not just on a social media post. I think blogs are, it's a lot of work. So I'm never telling everybody to like, yeah, go add a blog, but it's really important to have that evergreen content that boosts your SEO that you can always refer people back to. You could also just posting more educational content on your social media. Again, a lot of people will do the inspirational or the promotional, but education I think is what people come for. Like people want the insider tips. They want to know, you know, what you know, and like, don't give away all the pieces of the puzzle, of course, because you still want them to work with you. But I think just flexing that expertise and authority is so, so important. That could be done too in your connective introduction posts. Like if you have a certification, if you have a specialist course that you've done, like creating those credibility through those accolades, if you've gotten awards, it doesn't have to be the Enneagram post where it's more like your soul. It could also be about the credentials. So that builds credibility too. If you don't have the bandwidth for a blog and a lot of people think that they have the bandwidth and they, and they don't. So My one caveat is when you're sharing these accolades and you're sharing, oh, I'm a member of ASTA, you need to tell people what that means and what that is. I was just going to say that. I'm virtuoso. I, as a normal traveler, have no idea who they are, what they do, why that matters. So like the alphabet soup of the travel industry is just way too chaotic. And I think we, in the industry, it makes so much sense to us, but outside of the industry, nobody understands it. And the average traveler doesn't care. They only care what matters to them. When you share things like that, because I've seen advisors do that, I'm going to be honest with everyone who's listening and myself. It took me like two years into the travel industry to understand what half of these things meant. I was like, a consortia? What? What is it? Who cares? What does it mean? Why does it matter? So if people in the industry sometimes struggle with why it matters, your audience will as well. So like instead of just listing out your accolades, and that's awesome if you've gotten all these certifications and, and, and different things. But like, then just tell your audience like why that matters. Because they don't really care what it is, but they want to know like how it benefits them. I, I would always have to remind myself when posting about myself, I'm not posting about myself to get like a pat on the back. Like, oh, cool for you. It's I'm serving my audience. Keep your audience in mind when you're posting, even when you're posting about yourself. Like, what does a wave award mean? Like, what what did you do to get that award? I have no idea what that possibly means. I know a travel advisor of the world probably means, but like, <laughs> that's not typically the types of awards we receive as advisors. So I still get tripped up on rep companies versus DMCs and what a rep company even is. And I've yeah. been in the industry for a while. So there's a lot of nuances with this industry. So before you flex too hard, make sure you're explaining the flex a little bit more. Okay, number three, happy. Everyone loves happy. These are the commercials and campaigns that promote the positive feelings, the joy, the happiness. 
the main premises here is that enthusiasm is contagious. This is again, something I think people do really well in the travel industry. This is the inspirational content, the feel good, the you want to be here too type of stuff. So especially as you're traveling or as you're going on these fam trips, make sure that you're sharing your content. It's great to be there. And sometimes you want to unplug and all of that, but make sure you're just capturing those. Like we were talking about it the other day, there was, we follow Corchetto in Italy and they had this beautiful reel. And all it was is them with a cheese board and a glass overlooking a vineyard. And somebody comes by and pours rosé. And I was like, dang, that was like a Zen moment. And it made me so excited because we're going to Italy so soon, but that could also inspire people to act. So those happiness, those like, Oh, I want that too type of feelings. Very, very good. The flip side of happy is sad. I don't think there's a single person in the whole entire world who can hear Sarah McLaughlin's song in the arms of an angel and not picture like an abandoned or homeless animal that needs your help. So like donations and like all of those things really, really hit the sadness. A less intense way of leaning into this for your travel business might be like infusing some subtle humanity reminders into your content pillars, creating memories with your family, the whole like life is short messaging that encourages and reminds people that life is not something you get to after the to-do list it's done. It's like what's happening right now. Again, like encouraging, it's kind of like fear-based, but also a little bit sad for us. It's huge because like yeah. we had somebody talking to us the other day and I, my goal for my business is to not have to, like, I want my friends to invite me to tea times again. Cause they stopped inviting me cause I'm so busy So I need help with these other aspects. And I was like, dang, that hits. So like, how can you use those kind of like, oh my gosh, that's such a bummer for your own travel. Without like exploiting a situation. And I think that was to the point that you mentioned about like telling your story. You, you, sometimes we think that being vulnerable is like exploiting a sad situation and it's not, it's real life. Like, let's just be honest that life can be sad. Life can be happy. Right. Fifth, similar to sadness kind of is fear. So fear is like the primal emotion marketers will use to motivate change. So as humans, we are like psychologically designed to avoid upsetting things, which is why this is like the number one motivator for purchasing decisions. You could post a sales page and be like, traveling here is so fun. Traveling. We love to travel. It's great. And it's all happy and it's all positive. And then you take a spin and you post the same travel person, but they're doing like more so the fear, like leaning into like the messy parts of travel and losing your luggage and not knowing what to do. There's all these like little things that can really lean in. And I'm not saying fear-based messaging does not have to be work with me or else everything's going to go wrong. That's, That's not what I'm saying by any means. It's more so about playing into their fear of things going awry and positioning yourself as that expert to help, because I think that's, what's going to get people to act. A lot of people can book on their own but they don't want to handle the details on the back end when things do go crazy. And it's part of travel. Like it's going to happen. At yeah, some you, don't point wanna, or another. you don't want to be like, here's all the things that could go wrong without a travel advisor. Link in bio for my inquiry form. Like, <laughs> don't go too hard. The typical consumer requires an average of 10 touch points before purchasing. What if you knew that you would individually touch each potential client once a month with impactful information that could bring them directly to your inquiry form? Email marketing is one of the most underutilized tools, but the highest revenue generating things that you can do for your business. Here's the thing. 
You can't control the algorithm. You can't rely on your painstakingly crafted social media captions and handpicked photos for audience engagement. When a fraction of who you're hoping to target may not even see it or may just scroll on by. Email marketing allows you to showcase your personality, connect with followers on a deeper level, and ensure that your message gets in front of the right people. It's also about 40 times more effective at generating new clients for your business compared to social media. Teak offers a once a month custom and done for you newsletter service. Our team custom curates a newsletter fit specifically for your audience and tees up the draft for you in your Flowdesk account. All you have to do is hit send. The thing is, we only offer so many spots for this service at one time. To receive a proposal for our custom newsletter service, head on over to the show notes. And the final emotion is anger. So when properly used in marketing, negative emotions can provoke positive reactions from consumers. So one example of this that I really, really love always did a campaign a while ago, like a girl. And it took that like demeaning phrase of like, oh, you throw like a girl, you catch like a girl, you work like a girl. And they turned it into this really positive, memorable experience. It empowered the crap out of me. Like I was a little girl when it came out. Well, I think I was in high school, but it was one of those things where I was like, yeah, I am a girl. Like a girl is powerful. So some ways to lean into this is Something I always did when I was in travel was like a, like a little campaign all about like taking back your PTO. There's so many studies out there about the people who are not using their PTO and like how much money you're actually leaving on the table by not using your PTO. The nonstop hustle mode, like kind of going counteract to that. That would be a really big resonator for a Gen Z. And like I mentioned before, I'll say happiness is probably like the easiest emotion to play into as a travel advisor. But by infusing these like little hits of different emotions throughout your content, that's balancing the emotions in a way where you can actually resonate with more people versus like only one segment. You never really know what type of post or content is going to resonate with who. That's why I love having a really good balance and going maybe a little negative mixed with some positive and some happy and some inspirational and some self-esteem. I will say that another piece of creating content, and this is true from social media to email marketing to blogging, humbling yourself in order to become relatable. Just because you've traveled to 25 countries and you're on your third passport in as many years and you know so much about traveling, like take it down a notch, I'd say, because I, I think there's a fine line between sharing your experiences with your audience and talking down to them like they can't plan their own trip because at the end of the day, people can plan their own trips. And I think that's Mm -hmm. important to remember that we are a luxury and people come to us because they want someone else to handle it, but they want to know that we're human. And so some examples of humbling yourself in order to relate to your audience would be like, stop hiding the fact that you work with partners and DMCs and vendors. I think this is such a an interesting thing that I've seen in the travel industry. Like that is something you can showcase as an authority point. Like, look how well connected I am. I have these global partners and all of that. So stop acting like you can do it all because realistically we cannot piece together every single trip by ourselves and have them go well. The other one that I would want to point out is admitting that you don't know everything. So this, I really struggled with this as a new advisor. When clients would come to me and be like, I want to go to Greece. Have you ever been there? And I'd be like, no, I actually haven't. And then I didn't feel worthy of planning their trip because I didn't feel like they should trust me because I've never been to Greece. How can I plan a trip there? 
but using that as a way to showcase the connections you have. So again, like leaning back on, no, but I have partners in the country. I work with these great vendors and we work collaboratively to plan this itinerary for you and and how that works in favor of the client and the overall experience that they have. And then the educational posts, I've seen this time and time again, and I am absolutely guilty of doing it myself. Like you're just trying to get an easy post out there and you're like, oh, I'll update people on whatever, real ID requirements, or don't forget to renew your passport. But like, that's boring. And no one's going to, they're going to scroll right by and be like, yeah, 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 I know, passport renewal. But like instead, turn it into a storytelling opportunity where like you can talk about how you you or one of your clients or something forgot to renew your passport in time and what that led to. Like, obviously, I'm not saying make up stories. <laughs> Don't lie. That's not cool either. But <laughs> like, just think of a way that you can relate to people because they don't want to just be told what to do. They want to know why they should do it. Um, at least that's how I am. Like someone tells me to do something. I want to know why. And I just saw a reel on this, by the way, like this exact topic. I just saw a reel on it. And it was like a really cute reel from one of the travel advisors that I know. And she did a video of a compilation of all of these things where she's like, putting her passport in her bag, putting her passport back in her bag, putting her passport in her wallet, touching her passport, taking it through the airport. And it's like, who's with me on constantly needing to touch your passport to remember that it's there. And it's like, so many people can relate to that. And then then it was like, here's your reminder to go check your passport expiration date before your next trip. Nailed it. I, I love that because it connected and directed. It's yeah, I think being relatable is the easiest way to come up with content. And actually, for anyone who spends too much time on social media, like myself, there is a TikTok audio, I'm sure it's on reels by now. But it's like, this, like, everything is content, everything is content. It's like this noise. And this morning, I was making my tea. And I thought of that noise, because I went to South Africa in December. So and I am a tea freak. I love tea. I, I have like, hundreds of teas. <laughs> And I went all the way to South Africa and I forgot to bring home rooibos tea. The, the, the tea that they, that, that South Africa is known for. Oh, I brought man. home all sorts of teas and rooibos was not one of them. And I thought to myself, I was like, this would be a great post about like targeting people who have an interest in tea and my time at the Belmont when I did high tea and how I brought all these tea home, teas home and did not bring home the tea. So like just, like thinking about your travels and like to me, storytelling is the biggest way that you can get your point across and still like hit on all of your content pillars. Also sharing bloopers because like I love some self-deprecating humor anyway. Like I'm happy to just share all of my <laughs> fatal flaws and oopsies because people relate to them because we're all human and we all make mistakes. What better way to learn? We hope that not only did this episode help you understand the capabilities of emotional marketing, but it helped you to brainstorm ideas that would work for your specific audience. As always, thank you, Katie, for sharing your knowledge with us. If you like this episode, please share it with another travel advisor you know. Go ahead and subscribe so you never miss a future episode. We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of Teak Talk. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of this episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community, where we host live events, answer your questions, 
share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the year. Plus, what's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors that are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think nothing. Head over to www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.